Hi, and welcome to episode number 11 in the Signal Integrity Journal's Fundamentals Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bogatin. I'm the technical editor of the Signal Integrity Journal. This episode is brought to you thanks to our friends at Rody and Schwartz. Today, I'm pleased to have with me Jim Druniak. Jim is an icon in the signal integrity and EMC industry. He recently retired from a full-time professor position and is now a professor emeritus. Join me in my conversation where I catch up with Jim and learn about his next steps. So Jim, we're here at the EMC Symposium, uh, and I wanted to start out first talking about your career path and what you, how you got to where you are now and what you're doing now and you know where, where things are going. So I met you when you were at, it used to be University of Missouri Rolla. That's correct. You yeah. guys changed your name to, wait, let me get it, Missouri University of Science and Technology? That's correct. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and you've been there for a while now. Are you still there, or you? Uh, um, uh, no, I. Um, um, my wife is also uh, a university professor. Actually, we met in graduate school at the University of Illinois. We uh, uh, we went to uh, you know Rolla, Missouri. Uh, this was in 1991. Uh, okay. And so, uh, but um, but we retired. We had an opportunity to retire a little bit early. Uh, and so we retired uh, three years ago and moved to Northwest Montana. So we retired oh from okay. from our uh, you know from our faculty position. But I've con- continued to work with the uh, Missouri S and T EMC Laboratory, uh, just on research projects. Uh, you know, it's just you know a little hard to let go, and, and I don't really it want is. you know didn't yeah. really want to let yeah. go um, because uh, you know I love working with the students yeah. and uh, you know and like working with our uh, our industry sponsors and. Uh, and so, but uh, but I officially sort of stopped everything as of last Friday. Oh my so gosh! Part of uh, right, yeah. So yeah. part of uh, you know part of what um, um, part of what I, I came to the symposium to do is just you know work with my colleagues uh, Daryl Beatner, Chulson Huang, uh, and Bill Kim to you know sort of you know I'm trying to think of a tactical way of saying dump you know you know everything you know that pass I was doing. On. right yeah thank you pass on you know what uh, you know what I was doing to them um, but uh, you know but and, yeah and so what, what is your official affiliation with uh, with the EMC lab uh, right now the official affiliation is uh, I'm a curators professor emeritus wow. so you know my wife and I uh, went there in uh, in 1991 uh, and it you know in those days it was a uh, you know, it, it was a, a small university, you know, primarily engineering school in rural Missouri yeah. um, that had a very good history and track record for undergraduate education, and it still does. I mean, you know, our undergraduate students are very good. Uh, and so anyway, uh, but and it, and it was a wonderful career path because, uh, you know, as you're, you know, as you're finding now at, uh, you know, it's, you know, with your 12 years, it's you yeah. older. Um, you know, the students are always the same age. That <laughs> does are. not change. And they you know, come in so young and they leave so mature. <laughs> they do. And, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing to see. But, you know, but I kept getting older, but I, I, I didn't recognize huh. it. And, huh. you know, and until we retired, I, I hadn't realized, you know, just how, you know, how profound that impact huh. was. But, um, but in those days, uh, I had gotten my uh, degrees uh, at the, you know, at the University of Illinois. And, you know, my background was in, you know, uh, antennas, electromagnetics, uh, things like that. But um, but in those days, there you know all of, there was relatively little antenna work being done because basically an antenna was designed independent of what you put. Not like today, you know, uh, independent of what you put it on, and then and then you look for something to put it on, and you know things like that. And and a lot of, there was just very little, very little commercial 
you know, uh, uh, you know, work going on, um, and you know, and only a little bit of uh, you know federal sort of work. So anyway, uh, Todd Huming and Tom Van Doren. Uh, Tom Van Dorn, of course, had been at uh, uh, University of Missouri Rolla for many years, but Todd Huming had come just a few years. You know, I, it was maybe two years or three years uh, before that. This was uh, 1991, uh, summer of 1991, and they were doing this thing called electromagnetic compatibility. The problems looked interesting, uh, and uh, in one of the first, uh, uh, Tom, you know, Tom has taught a lot of short courses, and so he had a lot of contacts in the industry. And one of our first. We had a joint project uh, together, Tom, Todd, and I, uh, that uh, for for actually doing power integrity for Boeing. Now we didn't call it power integrity in those days. We didn't know what power integrity was or what signal integrity was. You know, we didn't have these names for it. Uh, but that was really sort of you know a good start. You do you know? remember that project? I do. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you know, Boeing was putting uh, you know just a tremendous amount of decoupling capacitors you know on their Power distribution network on, on their circuit printed, boards. On the yeah. circuit boards, yeah. And, uh, you know, for uh, for them, you know, for avionics, uh, reliability was, you know, is, is absolute. You know, uh -huh. it's non negotiable. And so, anyway, uh, in those days, for the multi layer, you know, ceramic capacitors, uh, in those days, you know, we were, I think, the smallest thing might have been 0805, but, you know, but mostly was, you know, 1206, you know, sort of by today's standards, you know, uh, huge. But uh, but anyway, uh, you know when they would fail in those days, often they would fail as a short, and Ooh. and and that's bad, right? Yeah. You know. Uh, so anyway, they wanted to uh, you know they wanted to understand a little bit better and be able to design a little bit better. Uh, you know, here I am. You know, sort of we're 30 years later, and I'm still working on the same problem. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking. Uh -huh. you know, we, but they're smaller parts, so. right? Yeah, and, and, but um, but actually, you know, we've been, um, you know, uh, a few years ago, I um, uh, Stephen Spears at Cisco got, uh, you know, got involved with our research program. We have, you know, we've we've had a relationship with the uh, Cisco for many years. In any way, uh, you know, Stephen has just such a clarity of thinking about physics, which you can appreciate as well, because you're, you know, part of your formal education is in physics, right? And also, you're, you know, one of the things I really like about, you know, about your courses, your books. Is is you know sort of you know the physics always come first you know you pull the physics and the engineering along you know and then you know and then you know and then the necessary math you know that can go with these things but uh, but anyway which, which I really like so Stephen had a clarity of thinking you know and he described this problem to me this is maybe about seven years ago um, and before that you know I was always trying to you know trying to you know formulate, okay, how do we work this problem better, how do we work it faster, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how do we design and things like that. And, and Stephen had just such a clarity of thinking about it. I'm thinking, you know, Stephen, you just sort of, uh, you know, you just sort of wiped away, you know, <laughs> you know, th this past number of years of work, you know, that I've been really not thinking clearly about in, in any way. So, um, so what was uh, the problem he had such clarity of problem now? Well, you know, basically, you know, the, the problem that I had was is I was just getting lost in all the geometric, you know, geometric complexity. I mean, because you have thousands of via segments, right? You have currents here, there, and yon. But basically, if you, uh, you know, if you, you know, what you do, you know these problems well. But uh, you know, with every you know, printed circuit board, and it's similar on the package, not exactly identical, but similar on the package. You know, basically, you know, you just have many loops, you know, to and from capacitors, right? And that sounds really simple now but you know but 
but thinking about it you know, in terms of those many loops and then you know and then the pieces of inductance associated with those segments and you know and what that means is you add more capacitors and how to do it and how to quantify and things like that uh, really, you know, that just, you know, that his clarity of thinking about here's how we do design at Cisco. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And uh, and actually, he was a, he, actually, Stephen uh, received a technical achievement award here at this symposium oh, wow. for this, you know. Oh, but he great. was, you know, he was sort of an early industry guy who was developing, you know, power integrity tools at, uh, you know, at Cisco before, uh, you know, before at that, that time Sigurdy had, you know, yeah. uh, you know, Power SI. And so, uh, so anyway, uh, but uh, so but he was paying attention to the kind of the layout considerations for decoupling capacitors on the board and right. where placement and geometry and, and the interconnect features affected the that loop inductance. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. And um, and they were doing you know they were modeling it. You know they developed uh, some uh, you know you know two D you know sort of modeling you know for the planes and calculations for inductance you know things like that. And that just gave uh, you know such a clarity of thinking. The thing that uh, you know the thing that we're doing now though is is that uh, is is that uh, you know we want to be able to you know to, to develop a best design without over design. You know we always have this target impedance, which which is not the best sort of thing, but we don't have anything else. So anyway, uh, and. Um, and the thing that we find is is that you know if you you know we've developed a couple of optimization approaches, but you know but you know but people are familiar with genetic algorithms. So if you use a genetic algorithm, um, you know we can do things that are faster than that. But um, you know but if you use a genetic algorithm, which you know which you know which kind of determines you know you have this target impedance, you know and then determines uh, you know sort of how you can you know develop you know how you can achieve that target impedance without being too good because. You know, if it's too good, you've added cost. You know, uh -huh. and also even more importantly, uh, by adding capacitors that might require extra vias, you've used space, and for signal integrity, that's bad. You know, any keep out areas. You know, so anyway. Um, but what we find is is that um, is is that you know with uh, you know you can just you you it's like our old filter days for uh, minimum minimum ripple filters right uh -huh. you know you just stack up you know sort of the get that you know, flat poles and zero exactly yeah. you know to get that yeah. flat response and that turns out to be you know sort of the best solution and you do that by having you know sort of you know multiple you know values of capacitors you know to use per decade over. You know, over several decades, and you know, it depends upon you know the the designs. But you know, I used you know we used to think that oh, you know, we had to you know we had to you know develop you know sort of this decoupling scheme to a couple hundred megahertz, and you know, no, you know, it seems you know it's you know seems like you know what we can do in the printed circuit board is you know is good to you know twenty, thirty, forty, fifty megahertz, and you know, and then to the package you know on the package a little bit higher and. So anyway, it's it's you know it's you know last few years you know with the tool set that we have you know in terms of you know tool set you know you know thinking about it has been really insightful. Now we're trying to get trying to get our industry sponsors, the IBM, Cisco, Apple. Oh, there's there's a couple I'm just forgetting, but anyway. Together, you know, sort of, you know, the big guns to, to try to convince, uh, you know, either Cadence or Ansys to uh, to develop a uh, you know a pre layout tool 
uh, for, you know, first step is, you know, at the print circuit board and package level because they can already do that. They already have all the calculations and everything, um, but they just have to rearrange the interface in a such way. It doesn't, doesn't uh, do away with post layout analysis, still have to do that, but, uh, but by the time you're doing post layout analysis, I mean... Your design's done. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. you know, most things are set in concrete, you know. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, trying to get them, uh, you know, one of these uh, big guys to, you know, to develop this pre-layout tool. And then, uh, you know, some of my other colleagues at uh, Missouri S&T, Chulson Huang, is, um, is working on, you know, some, you know, IBIS, you know, power, you know, you know power standards, and also putting together, you know, VRM models uh, to go, you know, I mean, that the power electronics guys can get on board with, you know, and, you know, and can, you know, plug this together and eventually, uh, June Fan and uh, uh, June Fan uh, and uh, uh, and some of his students, you know, are also doing stuff as well as Chul Soon, are also doing stuff at the chip level to you know to try to you know sort of you know model this you know you know and include the on-chip capacitance and hopefully eventually um, you know be able to uh, to be able to quantify you know how. Uh, Noise on this, you know, system level power distribution network translates into jitter, you know, at an IOL. So, so that's 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 still a ways into right. the future, though. So a lot of what you've been doing over the last years has been on power integrity side of things. A lot of you know, a lot of power integrity, um, because you know, after I retired, you know, the, the signal integrity stuff, I kind of, you know, I, I I left behind a little bit. Um, when I did retire, though, one of the things that we were doing. Uh, also, is is, um, is is developing a tool set for industry, and uh, and a big uh, you know advocate and you know and prime mover. Of this uh, has been uh, Zhaoning Ye at uh, you know at Intel. But anyway, Zhaoning wanted a tool set for doing you know for doing uh, uh, measurement you know measurements, measurement extractions, sensitivity analysis, uh, de embedding uh, because you know because they're doing a lot of things on you know model development. Uh, loss characterization, printed circuit boards, and things like that. So, uh, so after I retired, uh, you know, we started this company uh, called uh, uh, Clear Signal Solutions. Clear, okay, Clear Signal Solutions. Right. What's yeah. the website for that? Um, it is uh, clearsig.com. Okay, clearsig.com. We'll put that in the show notes. Right. Okay. And so anyway, uh, you know, so this is a, you know, the, we developed a, you know, de-embedding tool, and we continue to develop. And right now, it's available on Rody Schwartz uh, VNAs. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and, and so a, this is a spinoff from your work at at MST. It is right. Yeah, and we license MST professors on it. That's correct. Yeah, okay. we licensed, uh, you know, we licensed things from um, Missouri S and T. And then, uh, um, you know, but also, you know, are including features, you know, for example, you know, material extraction. And uh, you saw, you know, I don't know if you saw Xiaoning's, you know, presentation, you know, yesterday at the fundamentals. On but, transmission lines. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but one, you know, with uh, multi-layer printed circuit boards, you know, having different core and prepreg uh, dielectric constants, uh, you know, is causing troubles for them in far-end crosstalk. Uh, you know, so this is becoming important to them. So you even know. in strip line, normally homogeneous because the core and, and prepreg different dielectrics, you're going to get far and cross. That's correct. Strip line. Yeah, that's correct. And yeah. so uh, you know, so we've developed a tool set uh, to characterize that. And uh, basically, you know, you know, it's Intel, right? So you know, anything Shining wants, you know, <laughs> you know, he just says jump, and then, you know, yeah. first words out of our mouth is how high, uh -huh. how, how many, long should we stay how in the many air? Copies do you want? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and how long should we stay in the air? So yeah. 
So, uh, but uh, you know, but that's um, so. This is going to be is a commercially available tool. It is that a commercially anybody can use. That's correct. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. You just go to the website. You can download a you know download a, uh, an evaluation. And so it sounds like copy. it's got a two D field solver built in. So you can uh, it, analysis exactly. It you know it does and do measurement. Uh, analysis and do well. measurement analysis uh, as well and so you know we're building other uh, you know other you know it has some other nice features in it uh -huh. for for just doing s parameter you know analysis and you know td you know tdr function you know and just all of those tool sets that you kind of expect to you know to you know to assess your measurements you know you know conversion to z parameters plotting you know blah 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 you know those auxiliary things that you need so that you don't have to have you know umpteen tools open uh -huh. on your desk and importing here and exporting uh -huh. there, or use uh, ADS or, right. or PLTS. Exactly right. Yeah. You know so that uh, you know so that uh, you know you can you know you can be somewhat self-contained for you know for this set of tasks. And we're looking at uh, you know developing other features as well. There's uh -huh. a there's a com feature that we've uh, you know that we've developed. It's not commercially available yet. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, in a few other features, you do this in your up. retirement, and I'm doing this in my <laughs> retirement. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm not sure what I'm thinking, but uh, but yeah, but yeah. it's pretty exciting, uh, um, and it's a great time to you know to be a signal and power integrity engineer and EMC engineer because uh, the uh, uh, as you're well aware, just the demand for yeah. uh, for people in our area is just so high. And think about the legacy you've left behind at MST. You must have had hundreds of students go through your program and graduating in the industry now we're probably at about 300 you know students and postdocs you know over the course of the last uh, 30 I guess 31 years uh, and so yeah I mean and, and it's and it's pretty neat you know because um, because they continue to to maintain a, a relatively tight network in fact they have a you know they, there's actually an alumni group uh, it's the Missouri University EMC lab alumni network they call it Mulan okay so uh, uh, and it's a you know and it's a good network for the you know for the students you know generations of students to get to know each other yeah across uh, yeah. generations and also network they're hiring each other they're I see your helping students, in career paths they're they're presenting at uh, they're everywhere at the EMC symposium uh, I've seen them at DesignCon a lot I've seen your graduates out there in industry having a great time yeah it you know it is uh, you know it is uh, it's very rewarding. You know, just to see them all out there yeah. and, and thriving. In fact, two of our early graduates there, these are from the second generation of students. So, uh -huh. so they started in you know in about the mid 1990s, uh, and two of them uh, here, uh, Xiaoning Ye and then uh, also Jiping Yang, Xiaoning of okay. Intel and Jiping Yang, he was with you know was with Google and now Waymo. Uh, that uh, are are you know have been elevated to IEEE fellows. So wow. that is just wow. that is just so cool. Yeah. Oh wait, is Lee Hill was one of your students? Your yes, Todd's student. Uh, one of uh, Tom Van Doren's students. Oh, Tom Van Doren. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, oh, wow. he's just been you know tremendously successful as yeah. an EMC consultant. Yeah. yeah. So you have really produced a lot of the talent that's out in the industry right now. Well, you know, in those early days, you know, uh, um, EMC was uh, copper, tape, and ferrites, right? <laughs> and as far as university research goes, it was the ugly stepsister to, you know, in those days to computational electromagnetics, right? You know, some of my uh, uh, classmates that, uh, that I graduated with, you know, at, you know, at Illinois, you know, graduate program, you know, many of them in their degrees, that was the heyday of computational EM development. And, and they contribute an awful lot to, among many people, you know, to, you know, to the tool set we use today. Yeah. 
uh, very successfully today yeah. and, and, and rely on. But anyway, uh, many of them thought I just I was just crazy, you know. As you do hardware stuff, doing hardware stuff, and you know, sort of, you know, what seemed to be black magic, you know, uh, you know, at the time. Uh, but um, but you know, but there was just wide open space, right? There was a real need in industry, uh, and you know, and there was wide open space, you know, for you know, uh, a university team. You know, in those days, it was uh, you know me, Todd Hubing, and Tom Van Doren for a university team to come in and start making some headway, uh, and uh, you know, into you know, to developing, you know, start developing students, and and there was a need in industry for you know for students that, you know, that had this skill set that could hit the ground with their feet running, mm -hmm. and so uh, so yeah. But one of the things you guys focused on, you know, you did the traditional simulation work, but you did a lot of hardware. We did a lot well. of hardware. And that skill of students that are familiar with the hardware, right. design, debug, measurement, analysis, yep. artifacts, best measurements, those skills are so valuable and there aren't that many organizations that are training students right. doing and, that. And part of part of it it is 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 that I mean it takes years to learn that. You know, in those yeah. early years and I was equipment. And equipment, right? Yeah. And so, in those early years, that's a good reminder. In those early years, I was in the lab, you know, with copper tape and ferrites, and you know, rerouting stuff, and you know, things like that to, you know, to try to understand coupling physics and you know, things like that. But also the equipment. So, uh, you know, in those early years, um, basically when when I started, um, you know, we didn't really have a laboratory, and we had no useful equipment. Um, and so uh, a number of those early years, you know, I'd spend, you know, one or two days on the exhibitor floor begging, you know, and there were some awful, you know, some awful, awfully wonderful people. You know, I don't know if you remember Mark Hart, uh, Mike Hart, I'm sorry, Mike Hart. Of, in those days, it was EMCO. Okay. Um, but anyway, and, you know, eventually, you know, this went in, they were, became yeah. ETS. And, and then also Bill Kern of Lindgren. You know, uh -huh. just in terms of donating equipment, yeah. donating chambers, you know, Tektronix, you know, uh, you know, had donated equipment. The National Science Foundation, we were very successful several times of getting, uh, uh, you know, equipment uh, grants from the National Science Foundation. Uh, you know, uh, we had a program, uh, DARPA program with Hewlett Packard, where, you know, where we, you know, where they paid us in equipment at their cost that was just so wonderful so um equipment is is always is, and you know this you know yourself you know equipment is always just a tremendous tremendous challenge um because you know in our area it's so expensive you just go down the line there's 250k there's 500 yeah, but look at the value these companies that make the equipment get they get mind share they train the students that are then going to go into all these companies familiar with that equipment what are they going to buy when, when exactly, they have that chance? Exactly, exactly. It's a great so, investment. So the uh, the equipment vendors, you know, uh, many of them had, you know, in you know, in those early years and and across the years, have been yeah. very kind and, you know, and uh, you know, and very good to us. But uh, your reminder that you know the equipment that that is a high hurdle, um, and also you know the hardware, getting relevant hardware, you know, and the information about that hardware that you need to be able to you know to work. And discern coupling physics, uh, you know, is not real easy because that that depending upon what kind of hardware it is, uh, can take you know sort of you know very powerful NDAs and and also it's a you know it takes a lot of trust you know to, to even put these NDAs in place you know developed over the years with uh, you know with sponsors and things like that. So, but you know, but uh, I agree with you. There's just no replacement 
for students being able to you know to touch that hardware to work with that hardware so well before we finish I want to touch on one of your tutorials here I went to the we were in the, the same tutorial session right you talked about uh, power integrity right uh, and so I want to pick your brain a little bit about some of your recommendations for we talked a little about decoupling capacitors mm -hmm. and so you, you kind of touched on that topic of I, I remember 10 12 years ago at DesignCon there was a big uh, panel about uh, the distribution of capacitor values mm -hmm. which is better big V I think it was termed or the deep V, the yeah. deep v or uh, multipole or flat impedance profile mm -hmm. and, and you know I think the answer is out there but it still keeps coming up I hear it oh. all the time so and you touched on it in your presentation as well oh absolutely the thing that I find you know with the people that we work with is is that uh, um, most of them are you know are very experienced you know they you know this is what they've done for quite a number of years and it and and it and it has taken them years to develop you know sort of this you know this expertise and this insight uh, but ultimately uh, what we you know what we found and and it, and it shouldn't have come as a surprise to me, really. But you know, you know, developing a you know, we developed you know some you know simple pole zero optimization algorithm, which you know is lightning fast. You know, just lightning fast. But um, you know, and you know, and and then you know supported it with you know you know with a, a slower but you know more powerful sort of you know underlying thought process with genetic algorithms. Is is that uh, is is that you know, we set our target impedance to this, you know, this flat curve, you know, this hockey stick thing, because we don't know anything else to do, because we can't get the transient currents or get them as well as we'd like to, to use them. And so, uh, so anyway, but, uh, you know, but ultimately, you know, the fewest capacitors that you can use are, uh, you know, are going to be, you know, multiple values, you know, per decade, three or four, uh, you know, works very well. That's you know, how over they come. You get them three per decade. Typically. Right. Yeah. yeah. Over uh, you know over you know over several decades. You know, starting at you know at you know at about a hundred kilohertz, and depending upon you know sort of you know what kind of uh, you know chip you have, you maybe going up to uh, fifty megahertz or ten to fifty megahertz or so. Okay. So if you want to achieve that flat impedance profile, you can do it with multiple capacitors, like you know filter response. What about just controlled ESR capacitors? How come they haven't picked up? Any idea? Because um, you can get you know ESRs that are comparable a little below the target impedance, and and you look at their impedance profiles, they're pretty darn flat. Right. The ESR. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. Uh, you know, I don't really know. Um, we. I will. If I have to guess, I'm just just yeah. guessing here. Um, there's probably an added cost to that. You know, there, it, they are more expensive. Um, and uh, you know, yeah. and when you're, you know, we, we recently worked with a design that had 500 decoupling capacitors, and you think that is just a huge number. Yeah. You know, for a, where do they find space for them? Right. And b, yeah. why in the world do they need 500? Yeah. You know, that's probably for one device. It is right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so anyway, it, it is for one device. Yeah. And for yeah. one power net. You know, obviously the core power net. But yeah. uh, but anyway. Uh, and so, if I'd have to guess, you know, it's just a cost issue. And then also, the other thing uh, that I find is is that um, you know, for uh, you know, for you know, company X, Y, or Z, you know, to get uh, something new uh, uh, qualified can be you know can be a long you know can be a, a long and you know treacherous path sometimes. And so, you know, with new devices, you know. 
to, you know, for them to march down that path, you know, a power integrity engineer to march down that path, uh, they really have to, you know, have a proven solution. Mm -hmm. And there's no way for them to prove a solution, right? You know, they, you know, because, you know, the tool set, and this was, uh, was mentioned a little bit earlier with, uh, you know, with the pre-layout tool, there's no pre-layout tool set. So they don't have, they don't have a good tool set to do kind of design and discovery um, you know, the, the tool set for post layout is powerful, it's mature, and it's good. Uh, but uh, so anyway, for them to prove out, you know, these, uh, you know, controlled, you know, ESR capacitors, there's just no way for them to prove it out. And, you know, and without that, you know, it's... You and know, you're it's, right, it's low volume, and so there's not a well-established reliability track record. Exactly. For the parts. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And so you, but you're advocating, though, that, hey, if you want to engineer the passive selection, flat impedance profile is probably preferred, but maybe not up into the, you know, 50 megahertz or above range. That's where the hockey stick starts. Exactly right. Yeah, we're just, you know, the mounting inductance associated with, uh, you know, with the, the capacitor getting down to, you know, into the middle of the board to the power net area fill and then across the board and then up to the, you know, device it's, uh, you know, uh, providing charge to. That uh, you know that in inductive path you know starts to dominate you know you know it can around you know certainly by 50 megahertz or so and oftentimes you know well below that it can depending upon what you're working with and how and how much uh, on chip capacitance there is if there's on package you know uh, capacitors you know things like that it can be you know you know in a single digit megahertz you know 10 megahertz range so. and that's why you were advocating your tutorial how important the design of how you implement the capacitor on the board is because right. that's going to affect the inductance when the hockey stick starts coming up. Exactly. And you want right. to drop that down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So at the tutorial, and I hear it all the time, everybody keeps asking, okay, which is better? Do you want to put the capacitors under the die or on the top layer with, with the components? Yeah. Well, you know, what I tell people um, is, is uh, in particular, if you have a, a you know, a, a BGA uh, package, so you already have vias down there, right? So there's already space and you can get, these days you can get capacitors, uh, you know, that are small enough, you know, and, and have been for a long time, even yeah. if, you know, even at shrinking, uh, uh, you know, pitch, uh, you know, uh, pitch spacing. Uh, so, uh, um, so they're already there, you know, and with today's dense designs, um, you know, adding vias to put them on the top, uh, is essentially another keep out area for, uh, you know, for signal routing, high speed signal routing. And so, you know, so it may be, you know, it may not be optimal just in terms of, of inductance. It may, it may be still okay, you know, good choice. But, um, but it costs you not one extra via, it costs you no extra space. And so I always, you know, advocate to people just put it under, you know, if you can put it on the, you know, bottom side of the board, uh, just put it under, you know, just put it under the, the, the package. So if you have uh, uh, some kind of checkboard grid of power and ground vias mm -hmm. so they're close together, mm -hmm. just sprinkle as many like 0402s that often fit there. In, as, and, it's, and you're saying it's free. It, why not? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it, uh, you know, three values per, you know, per decade from 100 kilohertz to, uh -huh. to 10 megahertz. Uh -huh. And that supplements any on-package uh, decoupling capacitors there might be. And right, and on-chip capacitors. And doesn't tie up routing channels. Exactly. Design. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a really important takeaway that I don't think so many people recognize is um, if you have that opportunity, take it. Right. Gets it. Yeah. It, you know, it. You know, in terms of space, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. Right. Yeah. 
But you, one message I heard in the presentation was um, flat impedance and do everything you can to reduce loop inductance to exactly. cut that at Ex high frequency. Um, exactly. And, and it's all about analyzing that. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. And also, um, I, I guess, um, also, uh, I'd stress the importance of measurement uh, as well. You know, the, the commercial tools are very good. They're very mature. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, ultimately, uh, you, you, you need, you, you want to, it's always good to make a measurement. And, and these days, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, the probe, you know, you can do this with probing. You know, we, we always used to, uh, you know, uh, you know, unmount a, uh, or desolder, uh, you know, a decoupling capacitor, or a couple of decoupling capacitors close to the chip, and then you know we'd go and find some, you know, you know, O35 or you know, sort of coax cable yeah, or micro coax, yeah. you know, to solder, you know, be down there yeah. trying to solder it on. But these days, um, you know, companies like Packet Micro or GGB, you know, they make great probes, small probes that you can get in there on a, you know you know, on adjacent and sometimes even the same decoupling capacitor, you know, set of pads and, you know, make that two port, you know, measurement where the, you know, PDN, you know, your impedance is going to be something like S21 over a one minus, yeah. you know, S21 or something like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, you know, and it's a good, you know, it's a good sanity check, you know, okay, of what, you know, what, in, in, in particular of, you know, what our means is, and in particular, if, you know, if you're not using design tools, you're just using, you know, design rule recommendation. Of, of thumbs, right, yeah. right, yeah. That's, so it's you know, a good design validation. It is a good design validation. Most, you know, power integrity and signal integrity labs, you know, will have network analyzers, you know, to be able to, you know, make the S-parameter measurement and, uh, and then, you know, to convert that to, you know, PDN and PEATS for the two-port network. And this gets back to why it's so important to have the equipment and universities so that these engineers can learn these techniques. Exactly. I'm assuming all of your graduates are experts in measuring the uh, power rails. They're going to be uh, experts at measuring, you know, quite a number of things, actually, you know, because, uh, you know, just... Um, you know, we, we've had the good fortune to have just great industry sponsors and quite a number of industry sponsors over the years uh, and to be deal, you know, able to, to work with a lot of hardware. But at the end of the day, you know, sort of, you know, these folks, you know, they want to see, you know, how does this shake out with the hardware? Some good measurement. We can do all the modeling we want and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But unless we have it, you know, correlating with... Uh, you know, correlating with a, a measurement, you know, uh -huh. Uh -huh. they they will be, right. you know, pretty skeptical. Right. And it's also not just is the tool accurate, but it's is the process used to set up the tool a good a good process. Right. Oh, you know, exactly. Because uh, uh, one of the things that I learned, you know, early on from and and this was yeah, I just sort of stole from Bob Yonk at uh, at uh, you know, NIST at the time. And uh, and uh, anyway, I don't know if you know Bob, no. you, uh, but anyway. Um, he he always uh, uh, he was always using uh, computational EM to help design his you know fundamental experiments at NIST so so that uh, and uh, and and we and we do a lot of that today um, you know so that we're not producing you know many many revs of something or you know or getting the experiment not right or you know you know and some ambiguity uh, but uh, of um, you know of designing our experiments. Uh, with you know, with our computational EM tools, designing designing our our test vehicles, designing virtual prototypes. Yeah, exactly right, and, and so that tool. you know, so that you know, when we're you know, when we're doing measurements, we can make the best measurement we can. 
but you know when we have a measurement and a you know and an experiment that you know that corroborate each other you know it's much easier to believe both and you, you get know? a nice warm feeling that hey, that's maybe what, you know what's going on that's right that's you know? right that we can you know start to use the you know the the tool set the computational tool set whether it's you know for power integrity or signal integrity 3d em uh, esd or whatever that you know that we can now you know sort of use this tool set um, you know, for you know, for discovery of important you know of important physics, you know, and or you know for doing you know important design and get it right. Doesn't mean we always do, uh, but um, you know, but increase the confidence. That's right. The yeah, yeah. Well, Jim, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us here at uh, the EMC Symposium, and I look forward to hearing more about your uh, company. Uh, and what's the website again? Uh, Clearsig.com. Clearsig.com. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. And that concludes my interview. My thanks to Jim Druniak for joining us and to Rody and Schwartz for sponsoring this broadcast. And thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us. I hope you check out all of our other podcasts at the Signal Integrity Journal. And that's 30 for this edition.